0: to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host Matt Hochberg and this is episode number 277. This week is all about you because we're going to dive into the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast inbox and answer your Royal Caribbean questions. We've got a lot of them to go through and we got to get caught up. So on this week's episode, we're answering your emails all about Royal Caribbean cruises. Here we go. As many of you know, last week we were on board Symphony of the Seas, and we recorded an episode live on there, which was kind of fun and cool. But at the same time, we also didn't include any listener emails in that episode, so I felt kind of bad. And so this week, we're going to be answering your emails. You can always send me your emails by sending them to matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. I'm going to see how many emails we get through on this episode. Perhaps I'll set a new personal record for how many we get to. But let's begin with uh, some emails here, our first one is from Brian Madras, who writes, Hi Matt, I have a couple questions. Me and my family are going on our first cruise ever. We're doing a five-night Western Caribbean cruise on Jewel this the Seas in January. We're living out of Port Miami. I've already done the online check-in at the 90 day day market and I have our set sale pass. First question, I printed out our set sale pass and the cruise contract, but I did not see anywhere to print off luggage tags. It gave me an example of what the luggage tag looks like, but I could not find where to get them. Hmm... I'm wondering, Brian, if you are do you have, like, is the luggage tag you're looking at, like, the, the real luggage tag? Like, does it show you on there, like, you know, what deck you're on, have your name? I may not have your name, but it'll have your stateroom number. If so, that is your luggage tag, and the, what you have to do, Brian, is just print out multiple copies of that. If nothing else, Brian, after you complete online checking, just go back to the Royal Caribbean website, log in. You'll see an option to print luggage tags on there, and basically, you just print as many copies as you need. Uh, Royal Caribbean's luggage tags are printable. Back in the day, they used to be give, actually give you some. They come in the mail, but it just doesn't make any sense now. So basically, all you do is you print them out, fold them up. It's kind of like your own little origami project, and then you staple them on the end. Uh, I use personally some luggage tag holders that I bought on Amazon. There's a number of them. If you go to Amazon.com and search for you know cruise luggage tag holders. There's a bunch of them that are available. They're very inexpensive. What's nice about it is if you obviously go on multiple cruises, you can reuse them. And they also the idea, by the way, why you'd want to use that besides you know utility is, uh, of course, the idea that it protects them from being ripped off. I don't think it's realistically, it's you're fine without them. Trust me, I've gone on many cruises without them, but since I cruise fairly often, I decided, you know what, probably should invest in one. Brian's second question is, nowhere online during check-in process did it tell us where to go. How do we know which terminal to go to? P.S., we have all your blogs. They've been very helpful for us first-time cruisers. Uh, Brian, it's a great question, and you know, a lot of times I get questions about, you know, which terminal we at and all that. Don't worry about it. It is crystal clear when you get to the terminal. There are signs, digital signs, all around the terminal, as uh, the port area, I should say, as to which ship is at what terminal. First and foremost, the ships are massive, so it's pretty easy to go, oh, there's our ship right over there. But even if you're not sure which terminal it is, there'll be digital signage to know. So if you're using Lyft or Uber, that's the common question. Well, that's fine and dandy, Matt, but I got to put in my Lyft or Uber where to go. Just put in, you know, Port Miami, and you can always change it on the fly. It's not a big deal in order to do that. So. I think you should be good to go on that, Brian. Thank you for your email. Our next email is from Lucritz. Is there a list of drinks available on their refreshment package? Any recommendations? Also, are there free style cook machines on Adventure of the Seas? What are some must-dos on Adventure of the Seas? Go to Cozumel, uh, Costa Maya, and Georgetown. Any info, help. Thanks. <laughs> I love this email. <laughs> I, could, I could spend... Uh, about two hours answering this email, but I'm going to go through this as quickly as I can. I would point out, Luke, a great resource, of course, uh, is royalcoranblog.com, shameless plug, but we have a lot of information there. So For the refreshment package, that's the non-alcoholic package. That is uh, sodas, non-alcoholic cocktails, you know, virgin cocktails. Uh, you've got bottled water, premium coffee, premium tea, juices, including fresh-squeezed juices. Uh, that's pretty much the, the the big ones, I should say. And um, you know, that covers basically any drink you can get on board the ship that doesn't have alcohol in it, that costs extra, is pretty much included with the exception of, uh, well, I was going to say Starbucks, you're going on an adventure, so don't worry about that. You're, you're totally covered. You can go to Cafe Promenade and get a latte or macchiato or espresso and it's all good there. In terms of the Freestyle Coke machines on Adventure of the Seas, uh, I'm going to Google that quickly here to figure that out because uh, we have at RoyalCermanBlog.com a list of every ship that has it because uh, it changes quite a bit, um, and uh, there's not that many, not as many as I would have thought there would be. I would have thought, actually, as of a couple of years ago, there would have been a lot more, but the answer is Adventure of the Seas does, yes, indeed have the Coca-Cola Freestyle machines, and the way those work is you get a soda cup, a souvenir cup, in addition to your package of benefits. You need that cup in order to, to be able to take advantage of the machine. You can certainly go to any bar or restaurant without the cup, be like, hey, can I have a you know glass of Coke or Sprite or whatever? that's fine, but in order to use the machines, you need that souvenir cup. In terms of uh, must-use on Adventure of the Seas, definitely go do Sail Away on the helipad. The helipad is on, it's on the jogging deck or the outside promenade deck, and I forget if it's deck four or five on Adventure, but it's one of those decks. You'll know it. It's the one you embark on when you first get on the ship, but walk all the way forward, and it's a great spot for Sail Away. Definitely go there at least a couple times. Very, very nice. For Cozumel, Oh my gosh, what to do in Cosmo. You know, I just went to El Cosmolino Resort and when I was on Symphony of the Seas. And I'll tell you, Luke, it was the best all inclusive place I've been to, certainly in Mexico. Well, I'm not sure about Mexico. I'm trying to think of Costa Maya like the better, but top one, top one or two. In Costa Maya, I always go to Maya Chan, M A Y A C H A N. We have reviews of Maya Chan on realcreamblog.com. I don't have a review yet of El Cosmolino, although you can see it in my live blog, Luke. Uh, if you go to symphonyoftheseas.live, you'll see a good indication there. But those are two really good spots. The, both of those are, are beach days with um, an all-inclusive resort or type experience. In Grand Cayman, by far the best thing to do, in my opinion, is to go to the Seven Mile Beach area. Seven Mile Beach is, is a well, it's a long stretch of beach. Uh, and there's not like one particular place there. My good friend Ken Jarvis from the RC Periscopers group recommends highly the Royal Palms. So basically, this is what you do, Luke. You get off the ship, you get in a taxi, like uh, the Royal Palms police, and you just show up over there. For both the El Cosmolino and Co- and Maya Chan resorts I mentioned earlier, I would recommend making reservations. Now, if you're saying to yourself, well, Matt, there's, you gave me three recommendations, which are great, but they're all beach days. I need a little bit of a break there. I would tell you then Cozumel, you should change it up. Well, you could either change it up in the Grand Cayman or Cozumel. I think Costa Maya, you stick with the, the beach day. But in Cozumel, you could go downtown. You could go see some Mayan ruins. There's a little more variety of things to do there. Grand Cayman, you could go, there's a, I, I consider it kind of a tourist trap, The, you know, there's a place called Hell, you can go there, since so I went to Hell, and take a photo, and then there's a, there's, there's a, a baby turtle farm thing, which people go to, I don't think it's very compelling, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's the best thing to do there, but some people like doing it, so you know, to each their own, but by far these are very much big on the beach or the ocean experience there, so. Hopefully that answers your question, Luke. Uh, thank you for the email. Our next email is from Chris from Tampa, Florida. Hey, Matt, thanks for the blog and podcast. Been listening, following since the old WDW Today days. Have some questions for you as follows. How can I tell if I'm in traditional or my-time dining? On my online account, my calendar does not currently show any dining booked, and I don't see where else to view this. Well, uh, Chris, it should be on your reservation, first and foremost. When you book a cruise, it's going to give you the option. if you book directly with Royal Caribbean, then there was the option during the booking, but your travel agent should be able to confirm to you which option you're at. Um, there, I'm trying to think with the new website, oh my gosh, there's so many different things on there that you know have changed quite a bit. I'm gonna uh, be Googling this or logging into my account while I'm answering this question. But let's move on to Chris's next question. If I have traditional dining, am I able to change my time online? I cannot locate it anywhere. No, If you for dining times, if you have my time or traditional, you need to either call into Royal Caribbean if you booked it directly, or, if you use the travel agent, your travel agent can do that. So if you're booked in late dining right, for traditional and you want to change the my time or early dining traditional, you need to call in or you know, do what I mentioned earlier about the, the travel agent. That would be the, uh, the, the next thing to do there. Uh, Chris's next question. Linking reservations. I'm cruising with my family members in three other staterooms under different uh, confirmations. Do I need to have all of us linked during a schedule in order to be seated at the same table? There are 10 of us total. For traditional dining, yes you do, Chris. Uh, what you need essentially needs to happen is each group, so there's you and three other groups, right? Three other rooms, however you want to look. Three other reservations. You each need to link each other. It's kind of the way it works. You can't you can't just link everybody and that's it. They have to link you, otherwise they'll just think you're a creeper. <laughs> that royal creepy, not your family. But uh, what you so basically you add each family's reservation number to the reservation and that'll link them together. Again, if you book through a travel agent. They can do all this for you. And if this isn't a great example between this and the dining questions earlier, uh, why you should use a travel agent, definitely use a travel agent. It is the way to go because I'll tell you, um, it makes your life so much easier. It's so much easier. Um, I'm just checking to see if I can find the the dining times for my... Uh, to answer the other question here, but we're going to keep, uh, Chris got a couple more questions. If we're doing specially dining like Chops, is there still a chance of being seat, seated with other table mates, or will we only be seated with our party? With the exception of Izumi Hibachi, you will not be seated with other guests at specially dining. Uh, there is no specialty restaurant that I can think of in which that occurs, with the exception of Izumi Hibachi, because of course, Izumi Hibachi, if you've ever been to like a Benny Han or something like that, is a communal experience. You're sitting around a table. Now granted, if all 10 of you booked it, you might not be sitting with other people. But if it was just you know you and your spouse or you know a couple people, yeah, more than likely you'd be sitting next to other people there. And Chris's last question is, are there any specialty restaurants that are hard to get into that need to book ahead of time? Oh, yes. Uh, did, I'm not sure if you mentioned on here which ship you're going on. But definitely, Izumi Hibachi is the hardest reservation to get. It's not available in any dining packages anyway, so you may as well book it ahead of time regardless. But if you want to do Izumi Hibachi, book that as soon as you can because it will sell out. And in many cases, it actually sells out... Before the sailing, you get on board the ship. So uh, book that as soon as you can. Other than that, formal night and holidays are when specialty dining sees the most business. Certainly the first formal night, night two of your cruise. And if you're sailing over a holiday, like a Thanksgiving. Uh, I remember we went Cinco de Mayo on Navigator of the Seas. Not exactly a major holiday, but man, Sabor was slammed over there. It was crazy. Um, I'm looking at my, some couple of reservations about what time, I don't see it on here, maybe somebody's yelling at their phone right now, and be like, Matt, it's right over here, just look, but uh, I don't see the option there, but anyway, regarding the, you know, which dining location or seating option you have, I mean, 1A, if you don't see my time dining re- options in the cruise planner, then you probably don't have my time dining, but again, call your travel agent or Royal Kirby directly and they can certainly confirm it for you, if not, uh, change it, so. Thank you for the email. Great message. Uh, Let's keep things going with an email from uh, Kelly, who writes, Hey, Matt, how are you? I'm well, Kelly. Thank you. I have a couple more questions for you. Going on Anthem of the Seas this coming February with my parents, my mom can't drink regular milk, and I was wondering if there's almond milk on the ship if she asks for it. I know they can take care of many different dietary needs, but did not know if they had that on board or if she needs to bring her own, and if so, how does she go about doing so? I believe they do offer almond milk, I don't know about like soy milk or something like that. I know Starbucks offers it, but that's obviously Starbucks. You're asking about like, you know, the main dining room. I think you're going to have the option there. Yeah, that should not be a problem. It's certainly if you want to bring it on, you're more than happy to. Maybe there's a particular branch she likes or anything like that. Uh, there's no, just put in your carry-on luggage, not your check luggage, the carry-on luggage. You should be all set, but I'm pretty sure that's included. And question number, and of course, if I'm wrong here, guys, please send me an email uh, or post in our show notes at royalcaribbeanblog.com on this week's episode to let Kelly know what your experience has been. And also Kelly says, do you know if the photo package ever goes down from $249, $249 that is, is that something that ever goes on sale? I log in every day and cannot see it on sale once. Thanks for your knowledge and wonderful podcast as always and love the Friday YouTube podcast. Now, I try to get in live when I can. Awesome, Kelly. Thank you. Um, The photo packages have different pricing. I'll tell you that in general, in my experience, it is cheaper still online before the cruise than on board the ship. But I to your point, I can't recall actually a recent time in which you know photo packages have specifically gone on sale. I think they kind of operate on their own little business, but I will tell you this, Kelly, if you want to get a photo package, purchase it before your cruise. I, I have little doubt in my mind that it is a better value um, when you book it before the cruise rather than waiting on board. When you get on board, there's different options that are available, but I think if you're going to get the photo package, you know, you're, you're good to go. And I also point out, Kelly, that if you buy the photo package today on the cruise planner site and it goes down tomorrow or next week or anytime before your cruise, you can always cancel and rebook. So You really have nothing to lose by booking it other than just, you know, floating that money there, but I think it's actually to your advantage. So book it now and then you always have the option of canceling and rebooking if that price does drop. It's a good little, uh, it makes me feel better about those online purchases as well. Next is an email from Jordan Brass from Ann Arbor, Michigan, who has a question regarding the dining on alert of the season. My wife and I are going on a cruise in May, and we have rooms booked separately between our families and I. looking to, uh, I'm looking to see if it's possible to get one reservation together for my time dining between all of our rooms. Great work with the podcast. I'm looking forward to hearing back from you. Absolutely, Jordan. What you should be able to do is, uh, when you go on the Cruise Planner website, when, it's just like booking a dining, especially dining reservation. They'll ask you, you know, how many in your party. You'll put in, I don't know, how many in your party, six, eight, you know, 12. And then it'll ask for last names and reservation numbers. And then you can make those kind of reservations. Alternatively, you could wait to get on board the ship, Jordan. It may be a little simpler for you. You're going to just get any of their stateroom numbers at that point. But uh, yeah, you're able to, with my time dining, certainly get other people to sit with you. It's just like, you know, my recommendation is to do it before the cruise anyway. So to go on the cruise planner website, you need their last name and their reservation number, and then you can add them to a reservation. Uh, My time dining booking is like I said, pretty much the same as specialty dining, so uh, pretty simple, I think. Jordan, thank you for the email. We shall go to our next email, which is Eric. Uh, Eric. Eric Clemens, a proud, by the way, he notes here, proud Royal Caribbean blog insider. Thank you, Eric, and of course, anybody can become an insider by going to royalcaribbeanblog.com/support. Uh, Thank you for the shameless plug, Eric. All right, Eric writes, I know it's a matter of personal comfort and preference. I tend to hear diametrically opposed views when it comes to whether or not to purchase trip insurance for any Royal Caribbean cruise. I don't know if there's any or if there's enough material for a podcast on the subject, uh, but I have never heard, have had it before now and have two cruises planned in 2019 that will begin or end in Europe. With that said, I wonder how you approach the trip insurance idea. If you buy it, do you buy through Royal Caribbean or seek an outside company? Uh, there seem to be thousands of them what are the most important categories to cover for yourself and your family medical emergency evacuation trip interruption very curious about your opinions on an experienced Royal Caribbean Diamond pluser or others thanks in advance I enjoy every moment of your podcast and information Eric thank you for the email I'll tell you dude I used to never ever ever buy trip insurance there were many 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 years we went without ever buying it I just I thought I thought to myself uh, I'm the rationale was well I don't think I really need it I think it's a waste of money in the sense that I'll probably never need it. Um, You know, I almost went in with a what could possibly go wrong kind of mentality, but really and truly, I just didn't think it was something I needed to worry about. And as we got a little older and we started having kids, that situation changed. And we had an incident on board a ship in which, you know, without getting into too many details, I literally sat in the Diamond Lounge thinking, hmm, do I want to treat the situation and pay money for it out of pocket because I don't have insurance? Or do I want to run the run the risk that everything will be okay or not? You know, and then you have to pay even more later. And at that point, I said to myself, I I just don't want to have that kind of conversation anymore. And it's worth it for me to get travel insurance. I tell people all the time, travel insurance is something that not everybody needs, but you should. Everybody should at least consider. And it's basically about risk tolerance. You know, if you're going on a three night cruise uh, and you're relatively young or and or without any health risks, do you need travel insurance? Probably not. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, you know, there's not a whole lot that's out there. You know, travel. You know, all insurance is nice to have if you ever need it, right? It's, it, most of the time, you get insurance, just like your car insurance, your homeowner's insurance. Every month, you pay it. And do you use it every month? No, of course not, right? You barely ever use it, and if, but you need it because if you ever needed it, boy, is it great to have, right? Just like think about like flood insurance. You know, it's if you ever need it, it's great to have, but more often than not, you're probably paying a lot of money for just <laughs> for nothing. That's how insurance works. Uh, and I'll tell you, for travel insurance. Uh, it really depends on your risk tolerance and what kind of things are going on in your life. You know, do you have young children who are susceptible to getting sick or do you have more than likely falling off something and breaking their arm? You know, do you, do you have – are you traveling with, with – do you have dependent care? You know, are, do you have a maybe an older family member at home who could potentially get sick and then you have to watch them and cancel the cruise at the last minute? These are the kind of things that can happen to you. So I think it really depends on your situation and that's why there is no – definitive one answer, like, yes, everybody should get it, or no, everybody should not get it. Uh, it really depends on what you're looking to do. Personally, I have purchased an annual travel insurance plan. That's because I cruise way too much, but you know, I think in general, you can just buy it per trip. Usually, that's how most people buy their travel insurance. They book a cruise, and then they go into one of these websites, book travel insurance for that particular sailing, and that covers them. There are a number that are out there, and Royal Caribbean offers one. Uh, there's also a number of third-party companies. I use a third-party company. I use Allianz Travel, and I have no affiliation with them whatsoever. I And to be fair, I've never actually cashed in my benefit. I've never uh, gone to the point. We went to the medical facility one time to while well, we had travel insurance because my daughter got sick on a cruise. You know, like uh, she vomited. I think I told this story on the podcast. And uh, I never actually filed a claim because we had, on that particular cruise, we had a ridiculous amount of onboard credit. Um, and so it just got paid for by there and actually it wasn't that expensive. It was only like a hundred and some odd dollars, under $200 as I recall. But anyway, I never, to, to be fair, I've never used it, so I have no idea, but, Um, Really, when it comes to picking what you want to have covered, it depends again what you want. You got to think worst case scenario and what you're comfortable with. You know, there's a lot of different options out there. Like as an example, I don't think I have like medevac insurance. You know, where they fly you off a helicopter. They may cover like a percentage of it, but some plans will cover like all of that. Right? That to me is like a yeah, that would be nice to have it, but I don't really don't think it's ever going to happen. Or at least I think there's a low chance of that happening. Now that I just jinxed myself, but you know, it depends on what you're looking to do. There's some people, most common question about travel insurance is, are you going to get one that essentially allows you to cancel for any reason? Most travel insurance plans have a, you have to read the policy. First and foremost, no matter which one you look at, read the policy to understand when it kicks in. Classic example, you're cruising over summer or fall, hurricane is coming around, when can you cancel the cruise and get your money back? Because most people think, oh, it covers, in, you know, I've got travel insurance. I, I see a storm a week out, I can cancel my cruise and, you know, I don't have to risk that, right? But most travel insurance plans they will say no. If Royal Caribbean is still offering the cruise, no matter what the itinerary is, no matter how it's changed or anything like that, you got to go. It's not that option. But there is an option called cancel for any reason, uh, which essentially some plans offer this, which re- says you can cancel for any reason. You can say, uh, you know, I, I stub my toe, there's a hurricane, um, I don't feel like going anymore, and these are ones where it's kind of like you pay a a a, a, a portion of the money. Uh, I forgot the, what the word I'm looking for is not stipend, but you know you pay a, a certain down payment, if you will, and then you can cancel and get the rest of the money back. Um, again, it depends on personal preference and what you're looking to do. So I would look, but the bottom line is with any travel insurance plan, read the policy, understand exactly when it kicks in, because I think people assume that it kicks in, you know, for certain things. Like, you know, obviously if the cruise is canceled, right? If Royal Caribbean says, I'm sorry, guys, cruise is canceled, Front should have told you, okay, that's a different story. You can't go there anymore, right? Then the travel insurance would cover, like, all those kinds of things. But, of course, Royal Caribbean will refund your money anyway. But, you know, if if you decide, oh, I don't really want to go because of XYZ, make sure those are covered in there. And don't feel, don't be afraid to call in and ask exactly. Give them scenarios. Be like, what happens if this happens? What happens if this happens? You know, and get definitive answers So all right, great question. Let's go to another email. Our next email is from Melody from Houston, Texas. My husband and I are going on our first cruise ever with Royal Caribbean on an Adventure of the Seas to the Eastern Caribbean. We're so excited, but we'd love to hear any tips or advice you have with this particular cruise or ship. Uh also I have some specific questions. Number 1, at the casino, can you play with cash or only casino credit? Actually, believe it or not, Melody, it's cash only. You cannot use your you can't use credit. That being said, Melody, you could of course um, get money back against your stateroom account, so you could charge a, you know, you say, oh, can I, you go to the cashier, ask for, you know, $500, and they'll charge it to your room, and then you get $500 cash, there's a small fee associated with that, but um, that is not, but it's cash only in the casino, which is obviously uh, ironic, because the rest of the ship is all, is not cash. Uh, Number two, are there activities on the ship that we must take part in? Uh, I'm wondering if you're asking like, as in must do, or like you're, the only activity you're obliged to do, of course, is mustard drill. Um, if you're asking like, what, you know, what's the minimum mustard drill is on day one of the cruise. It is a safety drill. You'll trust me. They're going to let you know about it. You'll have no problem finding it. It lasts about 30, 45 minutes. It's not a big deal. Everyone, everyone complains about it. Certainly I do, but it's, it's over, you know, it's, it's over very quickly. And then you're at beyond that. Nope. You don't have to do anything. You can sit in your room all day if you want. Number three, what is your advice for keeping clothes as wrinkle-free as possible with no irons or steamers allowed? I am a believer in the roll your clothes method. I know that everybody believes in it, um, but I use that. I will also tell you that if you have wrinkles, you can use a Downy has a wrinkle release spray that has varying degrees of success. You can put your clothes in your in your bathroom and turn the shower on, not getting your clothes wet, obviously, but to you know steam them that way. And if all else fails, if you got a suit or a dress that you really want to look nice and None of these options are plausible or reasonable or not working. You can always have them pressed. Uh, this is a service that Real Caribbean offers. It is much cheaper than dry cleaning, but it will you know iron your clothes for you. And I think it's not bad. I think it works pretty well, and it's not terribly expensive. It's fine for you know a suit or a dress, not necessarily for every clothes and you know every item of clothes you own. Number four, any advice on what to do in San Juan, Puerto Rico? That is not a paid excursion. We were wanting to walk around and sightsee ourselves. Absolutely. In fact, Melody, I'm gonna tell you that's the number one thing I recommend. Here's what you want to do, Melody. When you get on the, when you get to San Juan, you want to go first and foremost. You want to go all the way to the top of the of San Juan. San Juan, I should mention, is is built. Old San Juan is on a hill, and your cruise ship docks at the bottom of the hill. With uh, the, and then of course there's the top of the hill, and at the top of the hill you have the old Spanish forts, uh, San Cristobal and El Morro. My recommendation is go to those first. Uh, there's actually a complimentary shuttle available that the that Old San Juan runs and you pick it up right at the cruise port, it just takes you straight up to the top of that, uh, that hill where the forts are, drops you off there, go see the forts, and then start walking down. Just get lost. Explore. Because the best part of Old San Juan is, if you ever get lost, you say, I, I have no idea where I am. I'm somewhere in Old San Juan, but no clue where I am anymore. Just start walking downhill. You'll run into the cruise ship. You'll literally run into the harbor in the cruise ship. So easy peasy. It's a great city to walk around in. And that's no paid excursion. There's so many great things. Uh, to do there, it's we have a lot of stuff at realcromanblog.com, Melody. If you search for Old San Juan, you'll find some good resources and things I've done over the years. Love it. And lastly, do you recommend prepaying gratuities? I do, actually. You know why I like that, doing Melody? Simply because it helps break up total cost of your cruise. Um, I don't like having a huge CPAS account bill at the end of my cruise. It's like it's, it's always like a, I'm, I'm covering my eyes and peeking through, <laughs> through my fingers like, oh, God, how bad is it? I hate that. So anything I can prepay... I definitely do so. Moreover, by prepaying your gratuities, you also guard against an increase in gratuities. About once a year or two, uh, there's not really a pattern to it, but every so often, Royal Crane will increase automatic gratuities. But if you prepay them, you'll lock in the old price. So that's pretty much uh, what you need to know for that one. That should keep you covered there, Melody. So thank you so much for that email. Keep things rolling. Here come a lot of great questions all over the place. Uh from Lee Jackson from Newark on Trent, England. My wife and I uh, have recently booked our first cruise, our honeymoon cruise next year on Anthem of the Seas, Nine Nights of Bermuda and the Caribbean, departing May 23rd, 2019. Very excited and really enjoying your useful tips. Two main questions. Number one, which port would you recommend doing North Star in Kings Wharf, Phillipsburg, San Juan, or Lobity, or Cape Liberty? I do Cape Liberty, New York City. Are you kidding? If it's a clear day. Cape Liberty is the way to go. Uh, if I had to pick between the other ports, uh, San Juan, San Juan, uh, maybe even Bermuda, King's Wharf wouldn't be too bad. But San Juan, Puerto Rico. Number two, which have uh, we have booked my time dining, but I'm wondering if we will miss out from not having the same way stuff each night, as I feel that would be a nice part of the cruise experience. Would love to hear your thoughts. I would agree with you on that, uh, Lee. I look, I'm gonna be perfectly fair. Uh, I only do traditional dining. I am an old school cruiser like that, so I'm biased. And there will be plenty of people here who will tell you it's fine. In fact, they will probably also tell you that you can request the same weight staff every night. You can tell them, oh, you know, if you go on night one and you really like your weight staff, you can ask for them. Again, you may wait, you know, a couple minutes later for them, but you can certainly still do that. I just like it. It's simpler. Traditional dining. It you don't have to worry about, you know, the not having the same weight staff every night, uh, because you will have the same one. Um, but you can still retain my time. If you really like my time because you like the idea of being able to change time, depending on which port you're in and you know, have varying uh, times for dinner, then yes, you can still do that because you still have the option of just request the same wait staff. So keep that in mind. But um, if you're asking me, you know, is traditional, do I like traditional dining for that exact reason, the answer is absolutely yes. And the uh, last question was, only other concerns is around dining show times and whether we should pre-book or s- to see We Will Rock You, etc. and whether a fixed dining time would make it more problematic. Actually traditional dining is easier to see the shows because the show schedule is planned around traditional dining. There'll be, as an example, a show like We Will Rock You will have probably two show times. And if you look at the times, you look at traditional dining, they're basically opposite of that. So basically of the two show times, they're set up so that each traditional dinner time can see the show. But if your dinner is at 7.30 or 7 o'clock, which is right that smack dab in the middle, it may or may not present a challenge to see one or two of those shows. It depends. Uh, I would tell you that if you really want to see the shows, um, it certainly is easier with traditional dining, but it's not a problem. It's not to say that anyone who's ever done My Time has never seen a show. That would obviously not be accurate at all. And they do show a lot of these uh, shows, Not only mul- they'll show multiple times. In fact, you may find an instance where one of the shows like We Will Rock You was shown in the afternoon one day. So you do have the opportunity, but just you need to pay a little closer attention to those show times to make sure you're not missing out on anything because it's not shown every day of the cruise, obviously. So you want to make sure you're not missing those shows. Up. Hopefully that answers that question there. Uh, let's move on to our next email, which is from uh, Anthony, who writes, Dear Matt, I listened to your Crown and Anchor Society analysis podcast on my way back into work. You mentioned that once you reach platinum level after gold, you were able to get a discount on reserving balcony staterooms and above. My question is: Does the amount of the discount you receive on the reservation balcony and above increase at all as you progress through the levels from platinum to emerald to diamond to diamond plus? Yes, it does, Anthony. Yes, you get more as you move up. So uh, it definitely behooves you to keep moving up and get. Well, that's the behoove you, but yeah, you, you do get more for as you move up in crown and anchor. And question number two: In the podcast, you describe the benefits of each level, which are preloaded on your CPAS card, like buy one drink, get fifty percent off the next one, etc. My question is, do you have to alert the bartender waitstaff to these preloaded coupons, or are they just recognized by the computer system? I have in the past ordered a glass of wine with dinner, forgetting about the coupon on my CPAS, and if I ordered a second glass, the waiter advised me the charge was half because of the preloaded coupon. It seems to me the Royal Caribbean computer system should just supply the benefits available to the running account so they keep, so you don't have to keep reminding the staff. Thanks for the podcast. and never miss an episode. Uh, Anthony, the answer is you sh- you're supposed to tell them about it. I'm most, More often than not. If I don't tell them that it doesn't get applied. In fact, in the case of your waiter, man, you had a good waiter because most of the time they don't, and I'm really bad at remembering them to use them. Like, oh, I have that particular discount. So yes, you should mention it to them. I agree. It, should, maybe, look, it would be easier if they preloaded it or just automatically applied it. But of course, some people like to save it. Uh, some people, you know, obviously, if you're drinking by yourself, would you necessarily want to have two? Well, in my case, the answer might be yes, but you know, some people don't. You can go both ways on that, right? Certainly, from Royal Crimson, one hey, look, if you forget about it, it's better, it's more money for them. But uh, the reality is, I'm sure there's instances in which you may say, oh no, I'd rather save it for a different time, and hence a auto apply feature may not make a whole lot of sense. But just make a mental note to keep using them. And uh, I, some people carry a copy of the benefits in their pocket. You'll get a letter in your stateroom listing them all, and that's certainly something you can do. But it's just a matter of, you know, I think remind yourself constantly, as much as you can, anyway about those kinds of things. So that way you don't miss out on it. Uh, we have our another email. It is from Denise Benoit, uh, Fat uh, Matt. First, let me say I've enjoyed and learned a lot from your blog and podcast. I'm hoping you may have some inside information on Royal Caribbean's 50th anniversary cruise that's sailing in November, 2019. I want to book it, but they're not giving out much information other than the destination. You think this type of cruise is worth the extra money? Are you going? Let me know. One more thing. What time do you start your live Instagram talks? Uh, Denise, thank you for the email. So Denise is referring to a fairly recently uh, announced uh, Royal Caribbean cruise. That's called the 50th Anniversary Cruise, sailing November 2019. This is a Royal Caribbean event cruise. Uh, it's a follow-up to Royal Caribbean's President's Cruise. And uh, the answer to your, let me answer your question first. No, there is no more information on what's available. Royal Caribbean typically doesn't announce details about what's going to happen on the sailing until much closer to the sailing. And even then, not all of it is known before the cruise. Just the nature of the beast with how they do it. I think it's also a planning issue. But I understand, like, well, how do I know if I want to book it? Essentially what it is is an opportunity to cruise with a lot of other top-tier Royal Caribbean members. People are fans of Royal Caribbean, right? And their special events is, you know, they just did a uh, President's Cruise in which Royal Caribbean's CEO, Michael Bailey, was on there. They had some uh, musical acts that were on there as well. Uh, Billy Ocean, uh, Michael Bolton, as an example, they did performances there. There were other special events on board. It's kind of like, Denise, if you really like Royal Caribbean a lot, and I'm guessing by the virtue of the fact you're sending me an email about Royal Caribbean on a Royal Caribbean Black podcast, you may fit that bill. Perhaps it's a fun opportunity. Maybe you'd like to be able to meet other passionate Royal Caribbean cruisers. Then it could be for you. But if you want to know all the information beforehand, it's not going to happen. Certainly not until you get much closer to the sailing date. And then by that point, maybe the price is going up. So, do I think it's worth the extra money? It Depends on again. You know, after I said all those things, what you, what your thought was? I am not going on the sailing. Unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, I plan my cruises too far in advance. Like, I'm already looking at 2020, so when they announced it, I already had my 2019 plans booked, I wouldn't mind going just for the sake of the blog and being able to see what goes on in one of those things. Maybe one day I will, but I don't think I'm going on this one in 2019. And uh, lastly, what time do I start my Instagram live talk? So Denise is referring to uh, every day I am live on some social platform or another. On Thursday nights, I am live on Instagram. Our Instagram account is Royal Caribbean Blog, one word. I don't have a set time. Usually, Denise, it's in the evening, because I'm usually I'm working on Thursdays, my day job. And then I hop on maybe like between somewhere between five and eight PM Eastern time. My recommendation is to uh, not only follow me on Instagram, but to turn on your notifications. There's an option in Instagram to be notified uh, you know, of when people that you follow go live, and that'll pretty much be the best way to go about it. I think that's gonna be the, your, your best approach. Uh, to, to get that. I think we have time for one more email. One more email, and it is from uh, Richard Kerr. Actually, this is a really good one because this is an Adventure of the Seas review. Since we already had two different emails in this episode about Adventure of the Seas, what a perfect way to wrap up this this uh, this particular episode. And this is from Rich K. of Louisville, Kentucky. My family and I just got back from my six-night adventure of the sea sailing um, that Michael Poole and I blogged from, and I thought I'd give you a different perspective. But let me start by saying thank you. I was so much more prepared for this trip thanks to your podcasts and postings. This is my fourth cruise and third on Royal Caribbean. Our previous sailings were with Sovereign of the Seas and Majesty, so we were excited to get on one of the larger ships. We stayed in a balcony room on Deck 7 just forward of the front elevators. It was a nice size for two adults and an eight-year-old. We never felt cramped, but all three of us, uh, whacked our head on the pullman beds at least one time or another. It was right over my head, the head of our bed. My only real criticism with the room was the balcony itself. It's more of an alcove than a balcony, which is great for privacy. Not so much for enjoying the view or sea breeze as you, tra- as you travel along. You had to be right up on the rail to see much or feel any breeze at all. It always felt hot and stuffy on the balcony, even at night. I don't know if this was because of the ship's design or my cabin's location. I actually preferred sitting on one of the top decks on the ship instead of my balcony, Given my experience, I would be hesitant to spring for a balcony room of this ship again. I'm going to stop, uh, Rich, for a second here. I had the same experience on Explorer of the Seas. It is the design of the ship, Rich. The those, How do I explain it? The the dividers between the balconies are like solid metal. And it like Rich said, it's like an alcove. It kind of creates a, a a barrier to laterally, anyway. And so like Rich says, unless you go right up against the railing, you don't get much of a breeze. Now, a, when on Explorer of the Seas to Alaska... That wasn't a That wasn't a bad thing. That was an advantage because it kept it a little warmer there. where you didn't get that cold breeze, but in the in the yeah, certainly in the Caribbean, it's a different story. Anyway, let me go back to uh, Rich's email here. Rich writes: Food overall was decent. We ate the main dining room only once for dinner. Service was good, but only, the food only fair. I had prime rib, and the wife had a uh, new New York strip. Uh, both were dry and bland. Uh, the rest of the trip, we ate at the Winjamer or Cafe Promenade. It was just easier with an eight-year-old to hit the buffet, and it didn't take two hours. Winjamer had a good selection, and we were generally happy with the quality. The Mexican and Greek themed nights were especially tasty. The food at Cafe Promenade did not disappoint either. I can also rate that pizza quality has improved since my last sailing. The downside of that is there was never enough. I always had to wait four or five, pe- four or five. I always had to wait four or five for one to come out of the oven. Everything else was readily available and quite good. My son really enjoyed Adventure Ocean on Majesty last year, but not as much on Adventure. The check-in process was very chaotic the first two days, but smoothed out as everyone got registered and learned the process. On this sailing, they combined the 6-11 to year olds in one area, which made for uh, an odd mix of kids. Last year, my son always wanted to go every session and stay the whole time. This year, he skipped when he could because he never wanted to stay more than two hours. The room always seemed crowded and very loud. I think it wore on him. Although he never complained about going and didn't make a friend, it just wasn't the same experience we had last year. I get the Adventure Ocean experience is going to be very different on every sailing, and this time wasn't as much fun as last. Hopefully, the next time will be better. Uh, I'll agree with Michael that the showtimes or the shows on the ship, rather, were just okay. My wife and I enjoyed them, but probably won't remember them a year from now. The real highlights for us on this cruise were the excursions. All were Royal Caribbean excursions. We did Stingray City at Grand Cayman, beach break and lunch at Costa Maya, and dolphin push, pull, swim at Chacanab in Cozumel. We really enjoyed all of them. I had great guides and service. The pictures of the of the pictures the tour operators offered were pricey, but pretty much got you. For what was our first and maybe only encounter with dolphins and stingrays, I ponied up the big bucks and did not regret it. Memories for a lifetime. I will echo the sentiment I've heard previously that Costa Maya Beach is not that great. If you want a beach day on this itinerary, you'll enjoy the beach and ocean more at other ports. Chakanab was nice and clean with lots to see and do, a great option if you have kids. To close out my review, my wife and I both agreed that our experience on adventure was underwhelming when compared to our previous cruises despite being on a superior ship. This wasn't any one thing that brought us to this conclusion, just a lot of little annoyances that ended up detracting from the onboard experience as a whole. And honestly, that's all, that's all they were, was annoyances, minor inconveniences, nothing I needed a crew member to fix. It was a good vacation, but a few little things could have made it more enjoyable. One of the bright spots was our cabin attendant, Norma. She was wonderful, so warm and friendly, took care of anything I needed. I made sure to recognize her in the post-cruise survey. She's an asset of the ship, and I hope they recognize her for it. Wow, Rich, thank you so much for the email. This is great, and I'll tell you that I think a lot of what you said there made sense. I don't think you. It's not that I read emails; it's like, wow, this person's. <laughs> we don't see eye to eye on this. Uh, I'm going to go to the Adventure Ocean part there, and I actually agree. I it is a pet peeve of mine when they combine Adventure Ocean. They do that a lot. Of, there's three groups: there's uh, Aquanauts, uh, Explorers, and Voyagers. And Aquanauts three to five, uh, Explorers six to eight, and Voyagers nine to eleven. And the idea is they break them up for age reasons. That way the programming is age-specific. But in some cases, if you're going on a sailing in which there are not a lot of children, they may combine groups. And the most common co- combination is explorers and voyagers. So from 6 to 11 years old. It makes sense on paper, but it rarely works out if you're on the lower end of the spectrum. The reason is, that my, my daughter is now 7, almost 8, but the first couple times she went to adventure of the sea, adventure of the seas, she went to Expl- <laughs> explorers and adventure ocean, Um, she was like six and sometimes they got combined. And look, I don't care who you are. A six-year-old is not going to be able to really hang with nine to 11-year-olds, especially when you're playing games in which they're whipping balls around, you know, the the area. It's just, it doesn't work. And and in those situations, we actually were lucky and were able to get her downgraded to Aquanauts, you know, because it's just, it was just easier for her to manage there. It's just, you know you anyone who's got kids you know that there's a huge difference between a nine and eleven year old versus a six and seven year old now again it depends on the sailing and when in cases in which it's not combined it's not a problem my recommendation is you should at least if they are doing that and they may tell you that in advance let the staff know say hey look you know this let them know i'm concerned about it you know give me i think i it exactly what you should do his son went in there gave it a good try right didn't quite work out but i'm hoping that the next one won't be that quite that uh, way, and I would I will also tell you by the way, if you're listening to this, and you're like oh my gosh, what if they combine? It's the end of the world. No, it's not. You can have a great time. In subsequent years, my daughter's gotten used to it, and she's been in situations where they get combined. Has not been a problem. Like Rich said, it depends on the sailing. Every sailing is a different grouping. You know, it depends on who you make friends with and a variety of other things. Here's the thing that the Adventure Ocean staff have told us, and we've told to my daughter is that she doesn't have to go play, you know, Gaga ball and go crazy with them. There's art stuff. She can kind of do her own thing to some extent. And in a lot of cases, they would see a lot of the girls, regardless of age, would be hanging out and maybe drawing or reading books. And the boys would be the ones who were whipping the balls around or playing video games or whatever. It kind of takes its own course there. So it's not to say they have to always be doing the same exact thing. So keep that in mind. But, Rich, thank you for the the review. This has been really helpful. And thank you to everybody for sending in your uh, questions and comments and thoughts about your upcoming Royal Caribbean cruises. Love hearing that. And, of course, you can always send me your emails by sending them to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, I think I slurred that one, M-A-T-T at com. Until next time, I'm Matt Hochberg, and we'll talk again soon.